It's a skill set like any other skill set. And you have to continue to grow that skill. And that's where so many leaders in the military, in law enforcement, in CEOs of businesses, I think that's where they go wrong. Welcome to Pod Bless America. I'm Jim. And I'm Dan. And today, uh, you know what? This is, we need a new outro or a new intro. (laughs) We do. You know, it's it's getting so tiring of just being like, today we're talking about. uh, I know it bugs you. It does. But I like consistency. Well, it was good at first. I mean, it was good at first. We're what, 46 episodes in? If it was up to me, it'd be like, what's up, bitches? Yeah. Well, okay. Maybe we do that. I don't know. We're going to talk to, we're going to talk to our edit team though. We're going to see what they can do for us because I know before they used to be able to come up, Hey, we'd say, Hey, we need a jingle boom. They'd send it. I've also, Oh, God damn it. Nick, I got to send Nick his money. You know why I haven't been a Nick needs his money. I get it. And I, I like that jingle he made, but I just, we haven't used it yet. So I'm like, <laughs> doesn't count. Yeah. I'm like, ah, fuck. Well, I forget about it. But speaking of that, we're going to have uh, my dad here, I think, next week. Oh, good. We're not going to do a whole episode, but we're going to... Uh, Dude, you're lying. Yeah. We get him in here talking, and we're literally going to either have to cut the stories in 15-minute segments... Uh, I'm not opposed to that. And then we're going to have four or five segments, because... So how was your week, Dan? My week was... My week <laughs> went, well, it's early in the week. <clears throat> well, we are supposed to be here before... And then my uh, 15-year-old daughter comes down with COVID for the first time in two years. Somehow she she avoided it when the plague hit the world and killed 95% of the population. <laughs> she managed to survive. She's a survivor. Yes, but that's what happens with these viruses. They get more contagious and less deadly. So yeah, so yeah. maybe it is better that you well, catch Well, it was only a day and a half for her. You know, maybe. I mm-hmm. mean, she, was, she slept a lot. About a day and a half. That was it. Which is what you do when you get it. Horrible cold. Let the body handle it. Let the body kick it out. Right. I babied her. I'm a good nurse <laughs> for them girls. I am. <laughs> uh, so you got an email. I did get an email <laughs> that, that that we won't talk about. It, you, apparently you've got, you, you got it sent directly to you. And yes. Not me. Cause we have with somebody that, you know, a lot of people reach out to us in the show. A lot of people reach out to us via, you know, copying us both on the email. Um, I'm looking at a whole group of people that do send us emails and me being the person that I am, I'm always trying to respond. We all have our lots in life. Your lot here is to respond to people. I just, I, you know what? I am that guy. You've seen that thing on Facebook, right? Yeah. Where it's like uh, when they talk about texting, how, how you don't text back. Look, I'm in my mind. I think I texted you back. I, I believe I've answered you. You gave me the answer probably, but out loud, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm busy and I convince myself that I answer. I don't know. Whatever, dude. You listen, you're very good at this. You're very good at responding to people. Oh yeah. You are. You're good at the back and forth. I'm, yep. I'm not. Yep. So what happens? I enjoy then, it. But just, what happens then is, I don't know, maybe 20% of our followers that do contact us on a regular basis to give us feedback on the show. They just kicked you out of the chat, bro. They're just emailing me now, not even putting you in there because they feel like it's a lost cause. But you handle shit. I handle shit. You do. Yeah. I so, don't ever have any worries with that. So. And you've always got our show in the, in the best interest. Yeah. Always. Yeah. So I got to figure out your buddy JB. Yeah. John. Must have been. <laughs> this, this story must be good. He lives and, out in Chicago land. And I didn't know if he sent me this because he was like. Listen, if he's not going to answer back or whatever, here, ask him about this. And we'll see if it comes up in the show or maybe we'll do it in a Facebook Live or whatever. Okay. Um, or just maybe he wanted me to have the, the, the background of the story. Well, so, should, we, should we do it? I mean, should I talk about it here? Or? Yeah, let's, let's give it uh, 10 minutes. All right. Right? So, JB says, uh, you know, from uh, previous, uh, appreciate the response. All fair points is how he starts it out because we have a thread going without you. Nice. And JB says, ask Jim about the time he got his camera bag stolen from valet parking in Chicago and was just about to ask me to mount up and go down there to try to retrieve it. Luckily, he got his dad slash FBI to do it. I got no game face and would have been embarrassing anyway. (laughs) LOL. So I was like, okay, so he didn't put into context what year. You got a, uh, you got a roughly shoot, man. Um, would you put it in the early nineties? No, it's probably 10 or 15 years ago, probably 10 years ago, maybe. What? Yeah. I felt like you guys were like fresh, either fresh in or no, like no, 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 no. Fresh it out was, of the army, like something. No, no, no. It was, uh, yeah, it was probably 10 or 15 years ago. So 
we had gone down to Chicago. We'd gone to Chicago. The whole family went. And I was big into photography at the time. And I had my camera bag with me. Probably, I don't know, thousands of dollars worth of stuff. Lenses, camera bodies. What was the go-to camera? Uh, Nikon. At that time, uh, I think it was a D700, I think. But it was a Nikon? Yeah. Yeah, it might have been a D300. I had both going for a while. But anyway, so I had my bag. And we did valet parking, right? We had packed up because we were leaving right from there. And we had packed everything up, let the valet take the car. We go down Michigan Avenue, everything. We do whatever we're going to do. We come back in the car, shoot home, right? So we drive eight hours. We get home. Unpacking, fucking camera bag's gone. And I'm like, I know. I mean, I know I packed it. I call the hotel. They're like, nah, nothing, man. I'm like, I know I, and then I'm like, these Dirty valet motherfuckers. You're already back here? Yeah. Yeah. So I know it's the valet now. And, you know, it was 15, 10, 15 years ago. So details might be a little hazy. I'm giving you the general on it here. But I know it's them. Well, I lose my mind. I call my dad. And if those of you that heard the episode, I mean, that's that's the guy you call when shit's going down, right? <laughs> so I call my dad. I'm like, basically, like, look, I'm coming over to get you. I need you to bring a gun. I'm bringing guns. We're going to Chicago. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> my dad's like, all right, slow down. Yeah, that's exactly. He's like, okay, listen, I'm not opposed to it, but <laughs> hold on. I'm going to need, I'm going to need some more details here. Right. <laughs> so I tell him about all this and I'm like, look, we got to go right now. That has all the pictures, of the girls on it. I mean, that aside, I mean, some scumbag ass motherfucker is not going to keep my shit. And I think of it like this. He had to go through all your shit before he realized, oh, this is what I'm taking. The camera bag probably would have been on top because I was constantly in and out of it and taking it. smash it. I just, well, it just like, depending on what we were going to do, yeah. I would have wanted the camera bag, but I, it was a big backpack type bag. I mean, it was, it was nice. Uh, think tank, or I think that's what it's called. Anyway, so the guy, I remember the guy. Uh, well, wait a minute. You, you wanted guy. John to mount you or you wanted uh, JB to mount. Him. Well, I, I did. I contacted him because I was, I mean, he lives there. I was like, buddy, oh, okay. we're coming. I like, see. I thought like, you were hanging out with him. No, like if my dad wasn't coming, buddy, I need, I need, I need somebody backup. there. Yeah. Somebody's going with <laughs> need me. need a witness. Somebody's <laughs> going with me because shit's about to get real. Middle Eastern guy, man. I, I remember him. Uh, he was so nice. I tipped him. I tipped this motherfucker to smell my right shit. in your face. Motherfuck. So at the time, and I think my dad was already retired from the FBI, if I remember right. Uh, but he still had the hat and the jacket. Well, his wife, his <laughs> wife was uh, in charge of services support. So she had contacts everywhere. Okay. So she calls over. I give her the address of the place. She calls over to the, uh, the Chicago field office. She's like, look, here's what we got going on. She goes, and I had called this guy and God, that's right. I had called this guy and kind of interviewed him over the phone <laughs> you and I know that he was fucking dirty. That's how I did. That's how I knew <laughs> you got him on the line. Yep. That's how he's like, no, 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 no. Yep. Yep. No, that's how I, that is it. Now, God, I remember exactly what he said, but I was a hundred percent convinced. And I don't have a, I have uh, like maybe two or three friends beside you that can read a motherfucker like oh, that, yeah, right? No, that, I knew. that knows like, that's, I forgot about that. That is why. So she contacts the FBI field office down there. Well, they happen to have an agent who was going to, or coming back from a bank robbery, you know, and he was right in the area. Well, he goes straight there and he walks in and fucking Mohammed's standing there. And he asks him, he goes, you know, tells him about what's going on and tries to kind of jerk this guy around a little bit. Well, buddy, he turned on the full force and power of the FBI, like, you know, giving this guy the business. Yeah. This guy cracks right away, goes upstairs, comes down with my bag. Oh, he says, I'm going to go look. I I don't know. I don't, I don't know, sir. I go look. I want to help out. I want to be cooperative. So he goes upstairs, comes down with my bag. He's like, oh, we found it. It was sitting on top of a trash can. Now, these motherfuckers are supposed to have already looked like two or three times, right? From but it just happened call. to be sitting on a trash can. Nobody touched it. It was, yeah. Oh, here it is. Here it is. You know, this guy's got to be like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> like the FBI is here. and Just showed like, up. Like nine hours after they steal it. And the fucking FBI is like, look, here's what's going to happen. <laughs> you're you're going to go get that fucking bag. So he brings that bag back. And I get the bag, right? But here, Tamara tells them to, to ship it. So they're going to ship it. They put it on a plane, ship it over. 
And I think it was on a plane. Like a next day air? Yeah, kind of kind of thing. She forgets to tell anybody that it's coming. They x-ray it, and all they see are barrels, metal barrels <laughs> in this thing that look like bombs. <laughs> they are literally going, and it's it has the FBI address on it because they're mailing it to her. <laughs> they are literally about to blow up my camera bag. And they call her, and she's like, oh, my God, no, I'm expecting that. Don't blow it up. Don't blow it up. They literally... Like not even a joke. They were they were convinced. Look, I don't know if this is a bomb, but we're pretty sure it's close enough to a bomb. We're not going to fuck with it. They were going to blow my shit up. I finally get it back from Mohammed, and then the FBI is going to blow it up. But I ended up getting the whole thing back. God, I wish I man, I got that story written somewhere. I'll have to find that story. <laughs> I do. I, I I wrote it out. I mean, when I hear it in my head, I thought that you guys were out partying, Mm-mm. family is out there, whatever. Your bag gets stolen, and in the same day. You got to get this guy. Not that it, you came back home. Like oh, it was only like, yeah. I mean, but it was the next day all this transpired or wow. I mean, within 12 hours, this guy thinks he's just going to fuck me over. Well, if it, this would have been now, he would have had that thing sold on marketplace before, yeah, no, I know before sure. you would have made that call. He would have been like, don't know. Mm-hmm. Don't know. Son of a bitch scumbag. That was the last time I ever used valet ever in my life. Jesus, I'll never use burn you on bed. What if you got nothing in the car? Uh, huh? What if you got nothing in the car? I don't care. He burned you on bed. Huh? Steal my fucking change or something. I'm convinced that they're all just, and they may not be, but I had that experience and God damn dude. That's so mad. <laughs> I just wish I was there with though. When the FBI walked in, this guy was like, what the fuck? Oh no, man. no, no. Oh, hold on. Hold on. We don't want, we, we don't not want to touch trouble. I'm here to help. <laughs> I'm here to help you, sir. Whatever you need. Well, we can't do an intro of funny stories that people email me, but we want to work on a new intro and maybe we will. But today's episode is about leadership. Yeah, you know what? I want to talk about leadership. It's something uh, I've always been interested in. Uh, read books on it. It takes a certain individual to be a good leader. Oh, it does. I, it does. I think I think you can read all the books you want and it may help, well, but if you don't have that ability to lead, if you don't have that that, that, that it, it's, it's hard to, to get. It is. And before we start, before we start talking about this right now, we can work this into current events in the country. Yep. For sure. Everybody at some point in their life, everybody has been a leader, right? Maybe it was just you coaching little league, right? But everybody has been in that leadership position at work at wherever. I am not talking about anything in my life right now. I don't want any confusion here. All right. What triggered this for me was there's a couple guys I follow on TikTok um, and they just, you know, they go around the country. They're, they're doing the talk circuit, but they're pretty good at what they do. Okay. Um, and I had heard one of them talking. And when I heard that, it just, I started thinking about all the stuff I've learned over the years about leadership. What makes a good leader? What makes a bad leader? If you are a leader now, just some things for you, you to think about. But this has nothing to do. I want that out there with any current situation that I have right now. I am not talking. And if I do talk about somebody who's been involved in my life, I will use their name. Okay. Right. That's fair. So leadership, man, I think the first thing that, you know, you you hear these people say, Hey, he's a natural born leader. Nobody is a natural born leader. Leadership is not innate in you. Nobody knows how to be a leader when they're a kid. Nobody's born with that skill. And that's what it is. It's a skill set. I'm sure if George Washington had a son, you, everyone would expect like, oh, you're going to be just like George. And he's like, oh, not, but he may have been that because that's how these leaders that's right. As you grow up, you've got leaders your whole life sure. and you're taking the good from the good leaders and you're using that, you're applying that. And you're like, man, you know what, with my personality, I think this is going to work well for me. And you're taking stuff from the bad leaders and you're, and you realize the mistakes that they make. And you're like, man, that ain't me, right? I'm not making those mistakes, but this is a skill set. It's a skill set like any other skill set, and you have to continue to grow that skill. And that's where so many leaders in the military, in law enforcement, in CEOs of businesses, I think that's where they go wrong. They think that now that they've made it to the top or they've been promoted into a leadership role, that, that it ends right there. Now it's their way, right? This is how I lead. This is how I lead men. This is what I'm going to do. It's, it's my show now. But that's not how it works. That's not how it works at all, right? You cannot test to become a leader. You cannot take a promotion test. You cannot get appointed to being a leader. Now, you can certainly take a promotion test and be given authority. 
Yeah. You can, you can take a promotion at work and you can become the, you know, the senior vice president and, and, be, a, and be a decision maker and be given authority. Yeah. But there is a big difference in having authority and being able to lead. People are going to listen to what you say because you have the authority to make them do that. Right. But that's where you're going to get your bare minimums. That's where guys are just going to do whatever, you know what? Hey, boss is telling me to do this, so I'm going to do it. But you know what? Screw this place, man. But I'm going to do it because I don't want to get fired. That's where you're going to get that. You cannot take a test to become a leader. I agree. And we've all had those guys, right? We all have had those in, in, in the military, especially, dude. You know, they take these promotion tests and now they think they're big shit. All they're, all they're doing is being given a little bit of authority each time. Starting at a corporal, given a little bit of authority, a sergeant, a little Got more some authority. Guys underneath you, yeah, you'll salute yeah. me. Sar- you know, sergeant in the army, man. Standing he's got attention like, when I come in the room. He's got, well, uh, not for a sergeant. Sergeant, I'm saying, like, as you get up there, right? That's what you want. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, the officers, man, we'll talk about that. But yeah, you know, sergeant, now he's got four guys under him. Hey, man, I command men. I command men and they're going to do what I say. Right. Staff sergeant, he's got a few more, you know, he's, he's team leader now. And as you go up, you get, you get more and more guys under you and you're supposed to learn, right? You're supposed to learn how to lead. Leadership is not the worst leaders I've ever had in my life. Tried to do it all by themselves. And you can understand their frustration that they can't allow other people to do it because they have to get it done themselves. I I can't. Well, you got to be able to sit back and understand that's just their, their MO that will never change but they're going to fail. They're going to fail every time, right? Uh, a guy, the boss's job, you ask, you hear some of these interviews and you say, you know, one of these guys I was listening to, and I, I, I'm sorry, I don't remember his name, but he, he equated it to the CEO of a hospital. And you walk in there and you say, hey, what is the most important thing to you as a CEO of this hospital? And he's like, my patients. And you're like, bitch, you ain't, a, you ain't the doctor here. You're, not on you're, call. An, you're an administrator, yeah. right? And, and if you were a doctor at some point, you're 20 years removed from that. It's not your patience. And that is the thing with leadership. Your job as a boss, your job is not to make sure the day-to-day operations, the, the little people, your frontline workers, your job is not what they're doing or to make them happy. Your job is to make sure that the people above them have the tools they need to make them happy, right? That's your job. Your job is organization, the entire organization. You've got the umbrella. You don't need to be dealing with those frontline workers. You have people to do that, right? In the military, we've got sergeants, you got staff sergeants, you got first sergeants, you got sergeant majors. There's no reason why a colonel needs to concern himself with the day-to-day operations of the private. Just doesn't need to happen. You have a chain of command to handle all those problems. You don't have to have your thumb. And if you try to put your thumb on the day-to-day operations, it's going to fail every single time. Every time. You have to trust the people underneath you. You have to trust those people. One of the best books I ever read was Creating Magic by Lee Cockerell. And he was, um, I don't remember exactly what his job title was, but he was high up in Disney. And his this is 10 strategies of his um, to becoming an effective leader. And I'll tell you, what I took out of this book more than anything is that while what I said about not concerning yourself with the day-to-day, that doesn't mean you insulate yourself, right? Lee Cockrell, being one of the senior, senior vice presidents of Disney, would be down there in the trenches with those people seeing, you know, hey, what do you need? And if they say, hey, this is what I need, then he goes to his staff and says, let's make this happen. He doesn't try to fix the problem. Yeah, it's but, not his job. But he's got his finger on the pulse. If, if you get a chance, and it's an easy read, even if you don't read leadership books, it's only, I mean, it's a thin book. You'll breeze through the thing in a day or two. It is incredible. Incredible. So this is from the book. This is a summary of the book. And this is the one, the one point that I loved. It says, get out and about routinely. Don't be a manager. Sit in a fancy office far away from everything and everyone. Spend a great deal of time speaking to your customers and members of your team. All of them, not just a few middle management. Do it regularly, not only once a week. Answer tough questions and make your people feel safe. By being visible, you will gain trust and people will open up and share what you need to know. And that's it. 
if you are only yelling at your people, if you are only getting your people in trouble, nobody in the world going to want to work for you. No, because they know what you're about right off the bat. Right. Look, you have your vision of how this this business is going to be run, but it's not you running the business. Your day-to-day operations are hundreds of people under you, right? Your job is to figure out a way to get them on board with your vision and yelling at them and getting them in trouble and threatening to fire them, only having contact with them when something goes wrong is absolutely the worst thing you can do. Worst thing you can do. And I've had leaders like that. I've had a lot of them. Now we're talking about this. Where's your first, do you remember your first leader that you ever had? Yeah, I was 20. No, you weren't. Well, I'm saying like we're in the work life. First leader. Right. Well, it was my dad. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because Your dad he, was the first one in leadership with you, right? Yeah. Because we, when I was nine, we were waking up at 6 a.m. We were at the floor store at 7 a.m. Loading up the van. He set me in the dry, in the passenger seat and he's like, okay, here's the address. Pick out the county map and, and get me there. He knows how to get there. But what's he doing? He's making me get that map out. He's making me go, okay, Dad, we got to take 480 to 71. We got to get off on this exit. And then when we get there, I'll kind of guide you through the streets until we get to this address. Like kids today would never be able to pick up a county map and find the street name in the back. Then kids go, then go make the I cross. I don't know if I could right now. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, dude. <clears throat> but that was. Do you remember trip ticks? No. Oh, you never went on vacations when you were a kid? No. <laughs> When you know what vacation was for us? Cedar Point. Wow. Yeah. It's good. Well, AAA had these things called triptychs. And you would tell them ahead of time before, this is before GPSs, you'd be like, hey, we're going down to Pensacola, Florida. We need a triptych. So there were these maps that were thin. It was just just the highway you were on. Okay. And you'd follow it. And when you got to the end of that map, you'd, you'd roll it over. And, you know, it's kind of like a, almost like a Rolodex kind of thing. <laughs> and you would just keep following this thing. And it would have all the directions spelled out for you. It was pretty cool. It was pretty it cool. It was Google Maps, but like yeah. I, on paper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I had a couple of those Holy triptychs. Holy shit. Yeah, I got to Google that. I'm telling you, dude, triptychs are great. Yeah. So I put my dad as the first leader. But what I was getting to was I had a guy that I worked for when I was 21. And in my mind, I wanted to let him know, I'm not good at what we're doing right now. But dude, there is nobody that's going to get here on time before everybody. Make the coffee have everything ready. Like, and, that, and in my mindset, I'm like, I'm going to show this dude. I'm like, I, so I get there, you know, 20 till and he's already there and he doesn't have an assigned parking spot, but he parks in the same spot. So I'm like, all right, let me get there a half hour early. See what's up. Get there a half hour early. He's still backed in the spot. He's already there. I'm still coming in, making the coffee. He sees me like getting a little bit earlier. Right. So I get there 45 minutes earlier and he's not there. Back my car right into his parking spot. Slide right in there. It's just so when he pulls in, he sees me like I'm proving the point. Like I told you, this is my new start time. This is my new parking spot. I'm going to be here every day so early. And then two weeks later, I was fired. (laughs) I was going to say, there is no way you take the boss's parking spot. But in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, this guy's like, this kid's got it. This kid, this kid's serious. And what he was like was, you're, you're an asshole. That was the worst story I've ever heard. you're fired. No, but in my mind, I'm thinking that's what I need to do to impress this guy because he's early, because he's always ahead of the game. He's, you know, and I'm like, I want to be that, but better. Watch me. And I, I learned a very valuable lesson. So what did he do? He taught me a lesson. Don't do that shit. Don't take the boss's parking space. No, and the, the smile on my face when he pulled in had been ear to ear grin, like, hey, hey, and he was just shaking his head, you know, but I was like, he know, he sees it. You now. treat him like a bitch. Everybody knows that was his spot. He sees it now. Yeah, he sees it. And right. here's this kid who doesn't know shit about what we're doing. I've been there for a month, two months, and I just want to let him know I will, I will be here with you right when we start. And we can do we can do great things. We can have everything set up before everyone even gets there. All the trucks can be loaded Ugh. with all the stuff yeah. that got in. And he was like, yeah, "Today, Junior, you're fired. <laughs> you're fired. You're fired, Jack." <laughs> but God, it made man. me take a step back and go, "Okay, that was a bit much." <laughs> I thought, you know, um, so but there there's been leaders um, on on, fo- on on the league football teams that I've been sure. on. 
Well, and that's what I was going to say, right? I mean, it all starts in school. Your teachers, first leadership. First leadership you ever experience. Teachers, your principals, your coaches, right? That's your first leadership. You had good coaches. You had shit coaches. Yeah. Right? You had coaches that were just nothing but yelling at you. And I mean, you could never do anything right. Instead of working with you and trying to figure out why you were having the problem you were having, they just benched you and didn't pay any attention to you. They used to toss me out of class and just let me sit in the hallway and not try to address why I'm being such a crazy asshole in the classroom. Sure. They just tossed me out. Well, you know what? Uh, I mean, every, every point in my life, I've got at least one leader I can look back on and say, I learned so much from this person. My first real leadership experience was the United States Army. And the Army is a weird place because you get people in there who come in trying to flex their big muscles and tell you this is the way it's going to be. And those people are called second lieutenants. <laughs> they come out of college uh, okay, straight in and they are going to fucking set the tone, brother. They come in there and they think they're going to be bossing people around. Well, let me tell you who eats their fucking breakfast is the first sergeants. They think they're going to come into this company and they're going to just start. Now you got this crusty old first. Well, I say crusty old, right? These guys are probably in their thirties, but back when I got in there, I'm like, ah, this old guy. Right. But you got this first sergeant who has been to war. He's commanded troops. I mean, this guy, he's been doing the job and you get this 22 year old second Lieutenant who's going to walk in there. These brand new butter bars on these gold bars. And man, they're the ones that like, you know, when you're walking by across the street, you're on the other side of the street, walking to the PX and you don't even see them because they're on the other side of the street and they'll call you out on it. They're like, private, do you not see me here? <laughs> you're like, what the fuck? You're looking at them. You're, they're like 200 yards away. And you're like, yeah, okay. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And you salute them and then they let you go on your way. They're those people. Wow. Right. And I've had same thing. I've had colonels who... I try to salute them walking in the PX and they're like, knock it off. You know? I, so it, I guess it comes with age, but those second lieutenants, man, they come in there thinking they're going to run some shit. They are all- Give them a little bit of power. They're all the worst leaders. Every one of them. And I, I don't even say, that's all it is, right? They graduated, so they got authority. Yep. That's all it is. They learn very quickly to shut their fucking mouths and they're going to be taking their orders from the first sergeant. First sergeants are running shit. Don't kid yourself. Ain't no second lieutenant running anything. Horrible. But, you know, I had a couple. I mean, your first your first taste of his drill sergeants, I don't know if they count because they're all a bunch of assholes. They're just they, got, they got one job to do, break yeah, you right. down. Break you down or remold you, right? So they're just constantly screaming at you. They're hitting you in the face with the brim of their hat while they're screaming at you, hitting you in the bridge of the nose with it. Back then, they were pushing you, punching you, you know. They're stepping on your neck while you're trying to do push-ups. Now they can't do that. Now it's just kinder, gentler. But, yeah, so they don't really count. But I'll tell you what, as a E- one, I guess. I wasn't even E2 when I got out. I was just an E1 private, man. Lowest of the low, right? Like toilets need scrubbed. That's your job, Jack, right? Wow. Yeah, whatever the shittiest job that needed to be done, that's what E1s do. And I got to Fort AP Hill and I had a sergeant there. He was an E5. And his name, I think his name was actually Lyndon Baines Johnson. Shut up. Swear to God. Swear to God, it was definitely Lyndon B. Johnson. And I have tried to find him since. This guy was, was one of the best leaders I had in the military. You know, I mean, he yelled when things needed to be yelled, but, but he was there for you, man. I mean, especially as an E1, he understood that, man, that my whole life has changed, right? That I, I'm not far out of high school here. I grew up, I, small town, nothing Ohio, yeah. right? Living in my bedroom in my bed. And now here I am in the United States army. And there were plenty of times that he would take me aside and make sure that I was doing all right. You know? Yeah. Check on you. And it wasn't, it wasn't a discussion like, you know, here's what, here's what I want you to do. What do you think of that? Because that's not how the army works, right? They come up with the ideas and that's it. But he, he did. He always took me under his wing. And I don't know if anybody happens to know him, he was an E5 Fort AP Hills. Name was, and he went by Lynn, Lynn Johnson, big black guy, best smile ever, you know, but he was just a cool dude, man. Our, our staff sergeant, our E6 was a dick and he was, he was a buffer there. I mean, there were plenty of times that I would get my, my shit wrecked by this fucking E6 
And Lynn would always be right there, man. Sergeant Johnson would always be right there like, look, here, this is the way it works now, right? You just got to take this shit. You're going to move up, and one day you're going to be calling the shots, but right now the shots are all going to be directed at you, you know? He didn't have to explain it all to me, but he made me want to be better for him, you know? He did. Uh, the whole time I was at AP Hill. And I'm sorry that I ever lost contact with that guy because I'll bet he went on to do good things. He was just that kind of guy. You got some? He just, he's somebody that probably lived through a lot of that, wherever he came from. Petersburg. Petersburg, Virginia. That's and, where he was from. And understood that you needed that at that time more than you needed anything. And then once he realizes he has that job, I'm sure it's easy it's easy work for him. Well, his job's an E5. He had a squad of guys, four guys. I mean, his job was our welfare, right? He His job was to make us a cohesive unit. And he took it serious, man. It wasn't just yelling. It wasn't yelling to get his way, you know? I mean, he explained things that he probably didn't have to explain. He checked in on you to make sure that you were doing okay because he knew it was a lot. He, the last thing he wanted you to do was get broken. I mean, you're, already, you're coming out of basic training broke. Well, you're rebuilt by then, but... You know, the last thing he wanted is for you to come there. Now you're broke there. So, man, I, I just, you know, I never thanked him because at the time I didn't realize it. It's not till later on when you're looking back. Right. You know, there was another when I was in Korea and I don't remember this guy's name. He was a command sergeant major in Korea. And there is no higher NCO rank than command sergeant major unless you're sergeant major of the army. Okay. So sergeant majors, big deal. Command Sergeant Majors, even bigger deal, right? So this guy was a Vietnam vet. Grizzly just, I mean, this guy had been in the shit, you know? And I remember it was at least one, maybe two times we were out on training exercises. And he popped in there and took his helmet off and sat down in the dirt with us and had lunch with us. You know, well, lunch, MREs. Hmm. And we're eating our MREs. But he sat right down there with us. And it wasn't like... I mean, you still called him, you know, Sergeant Major, uh, but it wasn't like that. I mean, he sat down, he was talking to us about what was working, what wasn't working, you know, what can we do better? Because that is the sign of a good leader right there. It's not my way or the highway. Your job is to sit there and take it all in, right? It's teamwork. It is a team. Being a leader is a team sport, 100%. You need to take it all in. And you need to talk to these people, see what's working, see what's not working, because you're insulated at that point. You know, you're not down there. People aren't talking to you because you're the boss. Got a bunch of yes men. Yep. Yep. And people are, they're not coming to you. You're not finding out the day to day. That's why this undercover boss, how many times you see these guys go into a restaurant and then all of a sudden they're like, what the fuck? You know, and all the changes come because they actually see what's going on. A leader that's willing to just talk to his people. And to say, hey, look, how are things going down there? What can we do better? It's not about what you're giving them. It's, it's not about, hey, man, I just got you a new pen set, you know, new pen and paper set. Now get to work with it. You know, it's what's working. What's not working? You know, open door policies are great things. But only if you're really willing to use them. You know, this Sergeant Major man, he sat down there with us, sat on his helmet. I'll never forget it put his helmet down, sat on top of his helmet, started eating and just started bullshitting with us, told us stories about Vietnam. He had the captive audience. Huh. Nobody was going anywhere. Wow. You know? And what was great was Command Sergeant Major sitting there just bullshitting with us. We all had shit to do. And the E6s, they're all sitting back there like these staff sergeants that knew we had to get out there and get back to work. They're like, these sons of bitches. We're all laughing, joking with the command sergeant. Man, they can't tell him to stop. It was great. It was great. <laughs> You're like putting like the middle finger up on your chest and itching. Exactly. Like, looking over at Sergeant Baker like. <laughs> I'm what, in this a moment. What do you think about this? I'm in this a moment. So uh, there's there's 10 steps in good leadership. One is uh, engage in honest, open communication, just like you're talking about there. And uh, two is connect with your team members, because if you don't have that good connection there, you're all not pulling the rope in the same direction is, is kind of the best way to put it. You have to be, especially if you're trying to achieve a common goal. You got to be pulling the rope in the same direction. You can't have everyone pulling in when Jackass is standing there going, I don't know why we're pulling the rope this way. Or, or pulling it pulling it his own way. Oh, God, right? we know there's guys like that, yeah, right? Right, everybody's pulling it, and then this guy's pulling it perpendicular to you. You're like, what the fuck? No, not this <laughs> way, I think. 
Number three would be encourage personal and professional growth. You get those leaders that know you would be a good leader too, but you know what they don't want? Those guys don't want you to shine. They don't want, they don't want their bosses to know that they have a really good candidate that could take your spot. And Lord knows I've been shit on enough of those by enough of those in my life. Yeah. And that's true, right? You've got these leaders that are so uh, lack so much confidence that they want you to fail, right? They're, they're not looking for the team. They're not looking for you guys to, to hit, hit a home run because they don't realize that that is a reflection of them, that those people under them are working so hard for them but they sabotage them because they want to have the spotlight. Mm -hmm. We've all had those. Yep. And I I fucking hate it. I hate it. Uh, Keep a positive attitude is number four. That's tough. That's tough. And you talk about being a leader. It's remember, it's not a test, right? As an E4 in the military, I was leading guys, right? It's your attitude. It's your attitude and your, your ability to get people to, to, make the results that you want done, right? And you can't do it if you're shitting on the place. And now look, I'm telling you, I've had my fair share of shitting on places, man. I mean, it's hard to be up all the time, especially when you're getting shit on from the top. It's hard. And I bet you that positive attitude, as much as your dad sat here and was like, ah, nah, I don't know what they saw in me. I, I don't know. Eh. You know, they saw somebody who they knew believed in them, believed in the mission, believed in the outcome, and they had trusted him. Everyone had trust in him. And trust is the big word, right? Trust is everything. Once you lose that trust, that's wrap. Yeah. So you got to keep a positive attitude at number four. Teach people instead of giving orders is number five. Well, and that's always been my thing. Look, at the end of the day, we know who's in charge. It's kind of like being the police, right? You pull up on the scene and you want to start throwing your weight around. You don't have to do that. You're showing up in a police car. You're wearing that uniform. People know ultimately who is in charge here, right? They know the authority you carry. You don't have to swing that big stick every chance you get. And it's the same with leadership, man. You don't have to come down swinging that big stick. Everybody knows that you are the boss. Everybody knows you're in charge. Now, let's get your team to do what you want them to do, right? You don't have to swing that stick. We get it. We know at the end of the day, we know that you're going to make the decision, right? You're going you're gonna to make the decision for your organization. We get it. That is on you. But you have to make us believe that you at least care about what we have to say. Because I guarantee that there are, you know, there are CEOs out there of Fortune 500 companies who've come up with this idea, and then there's some little man like Clark Griswold, (laughs) hey, Grisball, you know, who has a better idea. And if you're not listening to those people, that better idea is never going to get implemented. And you have to be humble enough to be able to say, hey, Dan, that's probably the way to go. I, you know what? I like the way Dan's thinking here. And then you tell your people underneath you, talk to Dan, let's get this idea rolling. Now you're still the boss. You still made the decision. But that boss now, now how about you, Dan? When the boss tells you, man, that is awesome. You are on cloud fucking nine, brother. Yeah. And I've always been a pat on the back guy. Like I'd like the pat on the back. I like the positive reinforcement. Who doesn't? You're not going to give me money. If you're not going to give me the promotion and the title and the money, Give me the pat on the back. Listen, that's, that'll get me to tomorrow. It will. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to work even harder for him next time to try to get that next pat on the back. You know, there was a chief of police with my current department and his name was Rick Thomas. Now, Rick Thomas was a ball buster, right? And you know what? Maybe from time to time he would micromanage a little bit. I never got to meet him. By far, I put him in the top 1% leaders I've ever had. Wow. You know, and it was little things like that, right? Everybody knew he was the chief. He didn't have to swing that stick, but you would do something, something that's not worthy of a ribbon, right? An award, something that's probably not even worthy of an, a, an actual letter of commendation, just something stupid. And you would come to work 
and written on a scrap piece of paper, handwritten from him would be like, hey, I just want to say I really appreciate what you did on this such and such incident. You know, keep up the good work. I really appreciate you, chief. Mm-hmm. And he would throw that. And I've got those scraps of paper. I've got them all still. Huh. I showed you a letter and I'm not going to read it because it's just a yay me letter. But I showed you a letter when he was on his way out as chief, when he was retiring, he sent me a letter of commendation and thanked me for all the work I've done while he was there. And he didn't have to do that. Nope. Because I didn't do anything to deserve that, that no one incident to deserve that. And he also didn't do it for everybody. No, he did it for, he did it for the guys that he thought deserved it. And I've still got that letter and I showed it to you tonight. You know, it's stuff like that, that just, I mean, he is the kind of guy that if he pulled up front of my house and he said, grab a rifle, get in. We're going. Yeah. It's not like my dad, right? Or my dad, hey, I need well, more info. Yeah, I need some more details. I'm like, all right. I want less details. <laughs> exactly. Plausible deniability, man. <laughs> like, I just picture myself. I'm like, all right. And I run in the house and then I poke my head out. I'm like, do I need a vest? Okay, I'll get a vest. How about a helmet? Do I need a helmet? I mean, just what do I need here? Because I'll grab it all. I come out with a duffel bag full of shit. I'm like, let's go. But I would follow him into battle. I would follow him into battle this day. I got in trouble by him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I got more than one day off. Probably more than 10 days off. Probably more than 20 days off. Yeah, I know you find this hard to believe, but I was late to work quite a bit. Um, you son of a bitch. I'm incorrigible. They've tried to fix me for 29 years. It's just, it's a character flaw. But you know what? I got in trouble by him. And one of the things that I always respected with him is that I knew he had a job to do, right? It didn't matter how, how much you liked him or he liked you. He had a job to do. And when you were in trouble, you were in trouble. And you would go in there and sit down. He'd give you that letter of reprimand. He'd give you that discipline. Never once did I fight it. Never once did I fight anything because it was always deserved. And you could have pushed the union on him? Nope. Never once. It was always deserved, and he handled it with respect and humility. Mm -hmm. And when you were done, before you would even leave his office, he was asking about your kids. It was all business. Look, you fucked up. I'm going to have to give you two days off. Okay, chief. I guess I had this coming. Mm -hmm. I'd sign it, and then he would sit back, and he would say, how are the girls? Yeah. And we were right back. You know, we were right back. Well, number six is set clear employee goals and expectations. They expected you to be on time every day, Mm -hmm. like clockwork. That's fair. Okay. And that was number six. Uh, Number seven, give direct feedback about performance. Like you said, he did, and that's what good leaders do. Number eight is ask for feedback on your leadership. Tough for people to do. No one, no one, none of the leaders that are real uh, self-absorbed want to hear any criticism. Sure. And in order to do that, it has to be anonymous. It has to be. Because when you start telling people to put their names on something, they're going to shit on you. Nobody's going to do it, bro. I'll fucking do it. No, you, know, you won't. Yeah, well, I've yeah. done it. You talk shit. I've done it. Anyway, number nine, be open to new ideas. And a lot of the good leaders are, and a lot of the bad leaders are like my way or the highway. Yep. No, 100%. 100% on that one. You have to be open. It is a team sport. You surround yourself with people that are going to help you accomplish the mission. Right? Now... You're talking about the military. You're talking about police work. It's a little different because they're civil service. You can't handpick the people you want to get the mission done. You're going to get who passes those tests and is rising up through the ranks. But there's a quote here uh, from General Pershing. And it says, a competent leader can get efficient service from poor troops. While on the contrary, an incapable leader can demoralize the best of troops. And that is it. It is up to you. If you're in a leadership position and you have part of your organization that's slacking, that's not pulling their weight or doing what they're supposed to be doing, don't take it out on the whole organization, right? You need to figure out how you're going to motivate that portion of the organization. Figure out how you're going to motivate that portion of the organization and bring them up. You don't take it out on everybody, right? Accounting is is dropping the ball here. But now it's not, it's not production's fault. Right. But now you're going to shit on production and marketing <laughs> because accounting's, you know, dropping the ball. Take it out on accounting, man. Let production and marketing go. They've got their own strengths. Why would you take something out? Marketing doesn't give a shit. They don't do what accounting does. Marketing has their own strengths. Don't take out accounting's shortcomings on them. 
you keep building them up. Focus on your problems. Yeah. And and maybe they're sitting back thinking that, you know, maybe I want to, you know, lay blame evenly. So I don't really feel like their whole section thinks I'm against them and they think they're doing it for the right reasons. And they're, and they're really not, which brings it to number 10, understand your own motivation. Number 10, I would be like, uh, understand your own motivation. I don't feel like there's much to understand about wanting to be successful. You just have to find the best way to be successful. And you know me, I'm a natural facilitator. I need to to dot the I's and cross the T's. One of my favorite things to do, Lauren's rolling her eyes right now because she knows what I'm going to say. If I get to a wedding reception and it is unorganized, I will walk right up to the bride and say, can I take it from here? And she'll be so disheveled that nothing's going as planned. The DJ doesn't know what the intro song is. Uh, They're about to get introduced and nobody knows where the third groomsman is. And everyone who knows me and invites me to the wedding knows they've seen me do it at other weddings. And, and she'll look at me and go, please. And I'll go, yes. And I'll go snatch everybody up. Hey, you, I need you over there standing in this line behind this person. What, what go. was that movie? The wedding planner? Is that what it was? Yeah. I picture, I picture Dude. that you. Dude. You're running around Dude. with your little Blackberry and shit. And every, every wedding that, that if it's not someone I know who's getting married, that is on the point and has the people in in their places and I can actually like enjoy a wedding. I can do that. But when I see it falling apart, I soar right in there, go to the, go to the bride, not even the groom, fuck him, go to the bride and go, I can get this straight. Can I do it? And there's never been a time where they're like, Hey, now we'll just roll with this. Just wing it. Shit. No, they're like, Oh my God, can you? And I'm like, can I? <laughs> oh my God, been waiting. Should I should have started this. I should have been here, been here at 6.30 telling you. Lauren, give me my coat. Right, right. But then Lauren knows once I get the green light to do this, I'm like, I'll see you like a few dances on the dance floor. I'll stop back at the table. We'll do a couple drinks, but I am facilitating. <laughs> Everything from, from, okay, it's time to cut the cake. Okay. It's, you know, because, because people have an idea how it goes, you know what though, it never gets done. If this is true, I'd love to see this in action at some point, but I mean, that's what I'm talking about, right? That's not your job. You have no authority there, but if you have that natural leadership ability and you can convince all these people that they need to get in line and let's get this job done. That's what I'm talking about. That is leadership right there. You don't have to be the one getting paid. The last wedding I did this at, punk rock wedding, this couple, the exact opposite political spectrum than I'm on. And it didn't matter because that dude is my friend. That is his new wife. I came up to her. I explained to her what's going on. The person who's doing the announcing can't even pronounce half these last names. I need to write it out for him. I need to get them all in order, which parents are going first, all that shit. And there was like Six minutes before introductions. How do they not have all that done? Because everyone's just so caught up in the moment, it it gets overlooked. Oh, right, right. Right? You're like, where's grandpa? He's over there at the bar throwing another one back. So I I, I grab this person, grab this person. Um, I'm putting everybody in in the back row. I'm putting them in the line that she wants me to follow on this paper. The groom sees me doing it and goes... Oh, hell yeah. Because <laughs> he, he's like, Dan's got it. Dan's got it. Hey, good looking out. And I'm like, I look at him. I'm like, I got you, bro. And then when when we when I finally stand up and watch everyone get introduced and starts from the ring bearers with the right names and introducing the right parents and then the second parents. And then all of a sudden it's it's going like, then I'm like, then I'm like, I got this. Yeah. Like that's my, that's my home run. Uh, because you will ruin someone's special day if it's not organized they'll be like that's not how i, I thought it was going to be it's a, it was a it was a disaster but and you could just sit back you could sit back and watch the disaster unfold like everybody else you could just <laughs> sit back and be like oh fuck this is a wreck because honestly that's probably what i would do i'm not organized enough to get that done oh right? man i know my strengths and and i do it six seven out of ten weddings look man i know my strengths right and i capitalize on my strengths on this podcast my strength is nothing more than talking. Deliver. Nothing more than passion. Yeah. I am not organized enough to do this shit. That is why the emails come to you. You <laughs> deal with Steven. You deal with Tim, right? I mean, you keep me in the loop. Yeah. I'm reading that stuff. Yeah. But I don't need to do shit. 
I don't need to tell you, oh, I think this is the way. Fuck no, man. I'm like, Dan's handling this fucking shit. Dan's <laughs> got it. Fuck. Tim's like apologizing to you and shit. I'm like, fucking, yeah. <laughs> fucking get it, Dan. <laughs> I'm drinking my coffee, laughing. It's like, you took the place of Donald Trump's mean tweets for me in the morning. Oh, I, come, I get up in the morning and I'm drinking my coffee, looking at all the text messages you sent <laughs> Facebook and Tim. <laughs> You're shitting on Facebook and I'm just like... <laughs> got him so that is um but like like i said it's listen i'll I'll end i'll end there and people will be like why do you not do this for a living no that's true too and i'm like because i don't want to work nights and weekends hold on i just want to touch on that real quick and i think that's important is i would say number 11 here is to know your strengths yeah to know your strengths yeah the fact that you have passed a test does not give you some magic new knowledge, right? It's okay to not know everything. It's okay to say, to delegate. It's okay to say, you know what, Dan, I think you're going to be better suited to do this. Just keep me in the loop, right? Because I signed the checks, right? I am the CEO. Mm-hmm. I, ultimately, I have to answer to this. But can you take care of this for me? It's okay to do that. Yeah. It's okay to go to marketing, and whoever is your marketing manager, be like, look, marketing ain't my thing, man. You're doing a great job here. Is there anything I can do to help you do this job better? You don't have to know it all. And when you don't know it all and you try to act like you know it all, don't think you're fooling anyone. And nobody's fooled by that bullshit. Everybody's sitting there talking behind your back as soon as you go back up into your office. That's all it is. Everybody's shaking their heads and they're like, this fucking guy. And all you're doing is destroying morale at that point. You're telling your workers how to do something when they know a better way to do it, but you're not willing to listen to them. Mm -hmm. Listen to them. They're the ones that are in the trenches. Like Rick Thomas, man, every day. I mean, I couldn't, the way I treat people, the ethics I have as a policeman, I mean, granted, I got a lot of, of ethics and morals from my parents, but when it comes to law enforcement, I learn from him. Hands down. I mean, there's no doubt. I learned from him professionalism. I learned from him, you know, he never proclaimed to know it all, but he knew enough. And like you said, trust, right? If you're going to come down and act like, you know, how to run things when you don't know how to run things, nobody's going to trust you again. The next time you have a big decision to make, they're going to look back on that time that you went down there to marketing and, and, you know, fuck the whole system up Yeah, because you didn't know what you were doing. So the next time you come out with a big decision, everybody's going to be side-eyeing each other like, eh. you're going to have nine to five employees at that point coming in, doing their job, going home. That's it. Don't ask for anything extra because you're not going to get it. Thomas, whatever he needed, man, I would have moved mountains, you know, and in the military, man, Lynn Johnson, Sergeant Johnson asked me to do something. I'm not even, I mean, the military is a little different, right? I mean, there is no questioning why. Your job is not to question why, simply is to do or die, right? I mean, you don't, yeah, you're not going, you're not going up to some first sergeant, some crusty old top and being like, you know, I don't quite understand exactly why I have to wax this floor again. Nope, nope, nope. That ain't happening. Job is to wax the floor again. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Why do I have to do this? After you woke up after the first sergeant punched you in the fucking mouth, he would tell you, he would tell you you have to do it because he told you to do it. Right. Oh. I don't know, man. Leadership, there's just, God, you can destroy an organization, man. You can destroy an organization by not, not listening to your people. You know, I've been in organizations where people put friends or relatives in positions that we knew right when they walked in the door, like, but y'all outlast that guy. Right. Like, <laughs> this guy's got no clue. Well, and you want to liken it. I mean, now, and I hate saying that our elected officials are leaders, right? I've never liked that because they're not my leaders. They are my representatives. They're and that, the ones, that needs to be driven home more, I yeah, think. Yeah, they are certainly not my leaders. King George was a leader, right? I mean, he told you to do shit and that was it. You're in the government. Now, listen, Joe Biden is a leader for sure. He's the executive. He is a leader over all government employees, but he's not my leader, right? My congressman is not my leader, I'm actually my congressman's leader. It should be. I'm the one that's telling my congressman what to do. If you're religious, then Jesus is your leader. Well, okay. That's fair too. Are we going to do this? No. Time no. for a cat chat. So, <laughs> but no, really, I mean, I am, I am my congressman's leader, right? 
I'm the one calling the shots. We all are. Yeah. The problem is but that if when we show up at his door when we got a problem, all of a sudden it's an insurrection. <laughs> exactly. What the? F- mm. Exactly. But you know, the problem is that you're, you're telling your employee what to do and he doesn't do it. And we just keep giving him another job. Oh yeah. Whatever. <clears throat> yeah. What are you going to do? But I tell you what, man, we, well, we had Jonathan Gillum on. What I, what I was going to say with the current government, the, one of the many reasons that nobody trusts them is if you look at his administration, he doesn't have, I don't, I cannot think of one office in that administration that is filled with the best person. It's filled with a black woman. It's filled with a Chinese woman. It's filled with a trans woman or guy or, yeah. you know, yeah. it, they've got all the check marks checked. Pete Buttigieg. What does he know about transportation? Give me a fucking The break. mayor of D.C. It was Not like. D.C. Or the mayor of uh, uh, Indiana. Fort Wayne? It wasn't Fort Wayne. No, it was South Bend. South Bend. Yeah. I mean, what does he know about running transportation? Clearly nothing. Why don't you ask all the ships and all the truckers what he knows? Right. They just wanted him to bow out, and, and he probably wanted Secretary of State. <laughs> and they were like, how about transportation? Well, ugh. Because, I mean, I don't think anyone that's ever been Secretary of Transportation ever even went up to VP. But he's somebody that they they might run as VP with Newsom to get like to get that voting block. Right. But he's not a woman like physically. We could talk about it later. But California, did you see they want to be a trans safe state now? Abortion safe. Basically, California is going against the majority of America. Anything that the majority of Americans are against, they're like, you know what? Come on over here. It's a safe state for you. Anything. Doesn't matter what it is. Abortion. Come on over. Trans. This is kids, not trans people, not trans adults. Right. They're talking about kids, trans kids being in a safe place to transition. Come to California. Just wall off California. Take all the money that you were going to wall off Mexico with. <laughs> Look, let the Mexicans in at this point. I don't even, so you know what? Up Nevada. Come on in. Come on in. Yep. Just wall off California. But cut cut across. Cut across. Keep Northern California separate so that all the conservatives can go up there. Actually, you know what? We could just wall off Los Angeles County. And have a red state. <laughs> have it be, be like Thunderdome. Yeah, because then... I guess the rest of the state wouldn't even matter what San Francisco did. Yeah. They only had one. Right. You got rid of Los Angeles County. Yeah. Uh, What were you going to say about Gillum? Is that Gillum, when you see everything that he's done, and I can't wait to have him back on because I got a ton more questions, but he's somebody that you would trust in a leadership role. He's somebody that even when you talk to him here, you're like, "I'm, I'm with you. Same with your pop. Same with him. I think Patrick Mudge from IC Tech is the same way even though he's mad at me still, still somebody that I feel like, you know, if we were in, in, in battle, I'm, I'm going with him, you know, because he, he understands and he's cool and calm and he, you know, and I feel like Gillum's the same way. Your dad's the same way. You'd probably be wild if we went out and had to handle some shit, but I'm, I'm in too. <laughs> oh, we're going home though. <laughs> yeah. Right. We're going home. <laughs> you know what though? Yeah. I'm not, <laughs> I've thought about that. Listen, I, I don't know if I, if I have it in me to be surgical, I'm bowling a China shop, buddy, but we're going home. There's going to be bodies stacked and we're going home. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not very surgical, (laughs) but I'm going home. You know, that's, that's me, me and you are going to be there. I'm going to be like, all right, here's what we're going to do. Listen, you you see that plate glass front window. I'm going to run and dive through that. When I dive through, I need you to throw a flashbang in there. (laughs) And then Dan, I need you to light the garage on fire. And then you're like, you know what? Everybody's in the living room in this house. Why don't we go around to the back door and just creep in? And I'm like, all right, that might be a better idea. <laughs> right, that might be a better idea. Don't light the garage on fire. All right, <laughs> all right. Don't throw the flashbang at me. Don't, don't throw the flashbang at me. That's a better idea. All right, so here, yeah. new, new plan. We're going to go around and just open the back door and I'll walk right. in. And if you don't give up on that, then I'm just going to make a listen. And when you're running through, <laughs> I'll pull the pin. So when you break the glass, you can toss it. Then I'll light the garage on fire. <laughs> and and I tell you what, we didn't, besides that little bit of political bullshit you just said, we haven't really touched on how bad the country needs real leadership. Real leadership isn't printing a ton of money and handing it to people and making them feel good 
You know, for you know I was listening to right before somebody, it, it was an economist and they were like, you know, everybody keeps saying the government's printing money, printing money, printing money. He goes, that's not the case at all. You know what the government's doing? You know why they're saying they're not adding anything to the deficit? We're adding nothing to the budget. We're not. It's because they're not. What is the value of a zero? <laughs> that's a zero. Right. Well, they're just adding zeros to the end of the budget. That's yeah. all they're doing. They're taking a million dollars and turning it into a billion. But there's just zeros. Just zeros, Dan. We just put three zeros on the six zeros on the end. You know, and when he when he explains it that way, because you laugh, but that's their thinking. Now, oh, listen, man, we're just putting zeros on the end. We're not. You don't see me putting uh, a nine in the front. No, no, it's just zeros at the end. Zero. What is zero? Zero plus zero plus zero equals zero. Yeah. We're so, not, not adding anything. So I'm on Twitter every day and I only follow what I said, maybe 60 people, which isn't a lot. And Randall land was one that we used for that. What, what was that big old pork bill stimulus? No. Um, um, Om, or the, the, omni- uh, the, yeah. <clears throat> the omnibus bill. We used Randall land. We cited them and all that right. shit. And someone else retweeted a Randall land tweet. And I was like, I haven't seen them in my feed at all were they were they blocked so i went to rando land and saw they've been tweeting every day every day Not telling it. you what's in but the this, algorithms what's in that right the last one they passed all the money going to this and i'm like you sons of bitches i heard gillum on uh he was filling in i think it was for uh stacy on the right uh he was filling in but uh he says that youtube has now restricted his account until november 10th ha <laughs> Just after the election. Okay. And he says it happened back in 2020. Mm-hmm. He got restricted until just after the election. So Yeah. And you heard, I'm sure you heard that, you know, Zuckerberg was on Rogan. Oh, yeah. And he said that shit about the FBI came to him. You think said, he's regretting that? No, because it probably took the heat off of him. Mm. Because he was pretty vague about it. He goes, they came to us and said, hey. Right. That Russian misinformation, well, he, it's about to come back around. So he, if you see something. He wasn't vague enough because the FBI came out with a statement saying, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. We no, no, that's not what happened. We said it, but we didn't say the Hunter Biden stuff. <laughs> exactly. But they still they still interfered in an election because they deranked something that was really true. And they weren't gonna give that benefit of the doubt if it was the other side saying that about the other guy. Right. Which is bullshit. That's not real leadership. <laughs> but you know what? We can we can come back. We can revisit this for leadership as it applies to the government, what we need. But uh yeah, I don't know, man. I mean I just it's a little different than what we normally talk about, but just watching watching some of these videos and there's not enough real leaders anymore. You know, the problem is they're so afraid. They're afraid of offending this group or that group or it it makes it hard to lead. Well, I should have primed Jeff the conspiracy theorist for this one because I've been reading some things and what we're seeing is testosterone levels are dying off in men. And the number one reason that that's happening is because we're not chasing our own food and killing it first of all. Right. Um, but the reason that, you know, us, I, us, I, I catch six bass a day, but go ahead. Us, but you're not cooking them up and eating them and nor you should you in the development because <laughs> they're full of toxins. But anyway, that's why normal sized dudes are running around with these pouches on their belly because uh, there's just a lot of, uh, hor- hormonal imbalance in, in humans right now right. from okay. water, from all that shit, Hold right? On. I feel attacked. Okay, well, me too, right? Ugh. I got you, bud. Um, we need to get back to just eating vegetables and... And like and like a piece of meat that can fit in the palm of your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had... No, I'm going to go to Outback. I'm going to get the 47-ounce oh covered in butter. Ah, I did a butter steak the other day with Surf and Turf, oh, and it was... It was literally like the size of my hand instead of being the palm of my hand. Like it's supposed to be, you know, your stomach is supposed to be as size of your fist. Right, right. And it's not because I've been shoving $5 footlongs in there. As long as I, when they were $5, I would eat one a day. Cause that was a good deal. You start, you start letting your body get used to storing that thing in your gut. And you're wondering why it stretches, you know? Anyway, I digress. Uh, I digress. <laughs> All right, we got to go. Are we, I guess we're going to use our outro one last time. We need to come up with new outro. Today. We need to come up with a lot of new shit. Why don't we do this? This week. All this right. week. We're going to do the outro. You got my uh, word. Uh, one more thing. Uh, we're going to have to do 
an episode about some power issues that are coming. You can see it in the other countries right now that are a little bit ahead of us. You on got that people you can agenda. bring on? I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think so. I got people that know a lot about it, but aren't ever going to stand up against it because they're in the industry. Okay. So you, what but, if they, what if they come on and we don't identify them? Well, maybe. Come on. Maybe. Um, they, but, but what they're seeing in these countries that are way ahead of us with this green initiative, uh, we're never going to be able to get away from carbon. Uh, of course, from fossil fuels. It, we're, sure. we're, we're still growing. I, if we were shrinking, it'd be one thing. But we're growing and we're never well, going to infrastructure is not even ready to handle the amount of electric right. vehicles that they want. Well, forget the electric vehicles, just just shuttering down plants alone. Right. Just what we need for for residential, commercial and industrial. We're already on the brink of not being there. And they're already seeing in Germany and Denmark and all these places that are five, six years ahead of us and trying to, to go green or carbon emission free. Um, they're projecting that they're going to be a thousand dollars a megawatt hour. When right now it's at 150 when it's hot and 60 when it's normal, when it used to be 20. So if they're paying the producers a thousand dollars a megawatt, you're going to literally decide that like, Hey, at nighttime, we're shutting all the power off to the house. You know, we're going to have to wake up like your, your cell phone's going to have to be charged and it's going to have to be your alarm clock for when you wake up and you're going to have to rethink a lot of things because you well, already see the power prices you know, are ridiculous. We've talked about the survival episode. Uh, maybe we do that. Yeah. Do power. We'll do survival. All right. All right. Let's, we'll That's start coming up. And that. We got to at least get one in the books for that. Cause it's, it's not something where they're never going to turn that corner and be like, listen, we got the solar right. panel you can put on your house and you're good to go. We're off the grid. Not going to happen. All right. We'll get that going. All right. Well, here's our uh, outro. Hopefully this is going to be the last time you hear it because we need some new stuff because this is getting old. All right. Anything else, Daniel? I mean, I got a ton, but we're out. Yep. As always, we thank you guys for your support. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you could drop us a like, drop us a five-star review, that really helps us out. You can find us on Facebook at Pod Bless America. And you can find us on Twitter at Jim and Dan Show. You can find us on Getter at Pod Bless America. And you can find me at Jim at PBAPodcast.com. And you can find me at Dan at PBAPodcast.com. So until next time, I'm Jim, I'm Dan, and Pod Bless America. Bless America.